As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello, it's producer Sophie here with a bonus episode of the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. We've got something special for you today from our friends at Talk of the Devils. Carl Anker and Charlotte Harper caught up with none other than Mary Earps, the FIFA Best Women's Goalkeeper who won the Euros with the Lionesses last summer. You can read more about Mary in Charlotte's article on The Athletic. We'll be back on Tuesday after Arsenal face Wolfsburg in the Champions League. But for now, over to you, Carl. Hello. Yes. Welcome. I'm Carl Anker and I've got Charlotte Harper from The Athletic with me and we've got Mary Earps. How are you doing, Mary? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Uh, I have watched my United Women's play in the last week, so congratulations on your victories over Arsenal and over Brighton. How have those games been for you? Yeah, not too bad. Obviously, just kind of ugly, but um, we're in the results-driven business and at this point of the season, it's just important to get the wins and points on the board. So that's kind of where we're at. Um, unfortunately, that's what we've we've managed to do. So now we've got obviously a good run in elite games coming up, business end. And then we've also got an FA Cup final to look forward to as well. How's the vibe in the dressing room? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty good. Um, I think it's just focused. You know, I think we've not really spent too much time talking about, I don't know, how things are going or we're just really focused on what the next game brings. And obviously, it's been quite a heavy fixture period, sort of the last um, few weeks, especially for the international players. So now we've got a couple of extra days um, sort of in preparation for Villa, um, which which is good. Hopefully that gives us a little bit of time to to rest and recover. And and um, yeah, then we can go all guns blazing for, for the rest of the games. Mary, you've got a huge month ahead of you. Team have never won anything, but you could win the double. Could win one trophy, could secure Champions League qualification, or you could have none of the above. How do you compute that in your head? I don't. I just play football. That's kind of my job. And I just think about what comes up in the next in the next game, really, because you can't control what happens. Um, football is very much an all or nothing game. Um, many of the players in the, in the dressing room at United, you know, we've we've done much of that before. 
Um, so, so nothing really changes from that, from that point of view. I'm a big believer in, um, focusing on your preparation and getting your preparation right. And, and that'll leave you in, in good stead. Um, and, and, and then you just kind of take everything in, in your stride really and, and go from there. And, and that's all you can do. We were joking earlier that as you were talking, you sort of bobbed your head. and I noticed you had your FIFA best award behind you. Congratulations on that. Um, one thing that's often talked about is the development of goalkeeping in the women's game. As someone who's now regarded as one of the best goalkeepers in the women's game, how have you made of the development of that position in particular in the last couple of years? Yeah, I think obviously it's it's great to kind of hear people talking about it in more of a positive way because that wasn't the case for a very long period of time. Um, and I also feel like a little bit of it was, I mean, unfair and unjust in the sense that it was it was a lot contextual, right? In terms of, you know, people are talking about now, well, naturally it was going to happen because people are more professional. There's more goalkeeper coaches in the game. So it was always going to be a natural progression. I think that it, there's been a lot of hard work over the years from many people before me, um, the, the generation that I'm in, um, the generations after me to, to get goalkeeping to, to this point. But I feel like a lot of the the criticisms of female goalkeeping wasn't just, you know, exclusive to females. I feel like goalkeeping in general, irrelevant of gender, is, is a heavily criticised position. But I think that people jumped on the female goalkeeping bandwagon maybe a little bit more because it was more underdeveloped as a as a um as an entity, naturally. Um so I think the it's kind of had a natural progression. And I think that it's really nice for um for for, for it to be spoken about in a more positive way and people to to not just go on about um maybe the the shortcomings. And and look at more of the positive things and 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 to be a part of that is obviously a fantastic feeling and and hopefully I can continue to be a part of that for a long time because I'm really really passionate about goalkeeping and I and I want to continue to pave the way for future generations not just in terms of women's football as a whole but as goal but like as a goalkeeper as a female goalkeeper um you know to be able to win the the, the award in February was just I mean knocked my socks off a bit to be fair not something I ever expected um. But to be able to sort of, yeah, I don't know, have a bigger voice in 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 the in the community is something that I'm trying to do and trying to use it for good and and try and just better the future for 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 young goalkeepers and future goalkeepers really. You referenced um, Ian Wilcock and uh, Dan Ward in your speech as well. Your goalkeeping coaches. What have you specifically worked on in the last years? Whether it's coming for crosses or your footwork or. How have they helped you improve? I know Darren was saying that you turn up every day and give 100%, but what have they helped you with? It's hard to say specifics because I feel like it becomes really, I, I guess, maybe to, like, for me, I really enjoy working on, like, the tiny, tiny things because I'm a big believer in, like, the whole like one percent a thing, right? Like the the one percent add up, or the zero point one percent, or the zero point not 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 one percent. Like they all add up, um, and they shape you to become who you are and to just deliver your best performance. So really, it's just been a lot of tweaking, um, because you learn like your biggest learnings are probably in your younger years, especially technically, because that's where your technique is shaped. When you get a little bit older, you're not really making drastic changes to your technique because that like not you are who you are it's just more like that's what's got you to that point and everybody has such a individual way of doing things that 
most of the time it's not textbook. So to then try and apply a textbook to it isn't really relevant. Like you see it in the Premier League, you see it in the Super League. Like every single goalkeeper will have a different way of doing it, but it's got them to that point and they've probably had some sort of success with it for them to play in the top league in 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 the country. Um, but to change that would then take years and would probably create more damage than good. Would you take your best years of football away from them? It's just, so it's not really about changing drastic things, I think is the point. Like there's probably, yeah. If you were building a goalkeeper from scratch, from like a book of like, what is the right thing to do? I guarantee you in five years time, the book would, would have been thrown out and look it would look totally different, right? So that for me is like the best thing about goalkeeping. It's so unique you look at one person, you think, oh my God, like, how did they do that? Like, that's incredible. You try and do it and you think, yeah, no, that's not going to work for me. That is just not, not me. So yeah, basically to answer your question, um, a lot of hard work, a lot of resilience, a lot of tweaking, a lot of tiny, tiny, minute changes, which hopefully add up. um, Yeah. In sort of like, in in a compound interest kind of way. That's kind of how I like to look at it. Mark Skinner's talked a lot about your mental resilience in particular um so after the Brighton game there was a conversation about the first Brighton goal and Skinner immediately turned the conversation into your save in the second half you know one thing we talk about you know positive things about goalkeeping is there's also a lot of scrutiny um how how do you deal with that scrutiny and how's your sort of how do you put away one first half performance to make sure your second half performance is different yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm someone who lives by like super high standards and I didn't hear what, what Mark said. Um, I hope they were nice things, but who knows? Um, I'm sure there's, there's people who had unpleasant things to say, but there's always going to be. Even when I do things, you know, 100% correctly, there's always someone telling me that I should have done it a different way um, or somebody else would have done it differently or that's just kind of the nature of the beast. Um, it's the nature of goalkeeping. It's the nature of playing football it's the nature of being in the public eye to a certain extent like there's always people commenting and telling you what you should and shouldn't be doing but I think I I think for me I I wasn't really thinking about that I was just thinking about the fact that we had a game to win and I just had to do everything to contribute to that there's nothing I can do to change what's been and gone um you know we're all human and we do things that sometimes we wish we could have not done um and the frustrating thing about goalkeeping is it's usually something that, you know, 99 times out of 100 goes goes perfectly. And, um, yeah, and and so for me, it was just a case of, right, well, I think you, when you're in those positions, right, you have, like, two choices. Um, you can either be, like, sulky about it and get down about it and beat yourself up about it to the point where you can't perform and you can't deliver and the game then, therefore, is a, is a complete... Um, what do you call it? Like you rule out, you cancel out. It's a it's a complete waste of time because your your head and your heart's not in it. Or you can roll your sleeves up and go, yeah, that wasn't great. But now I've got to roll my sleeves up and dig in and 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 do my job for the team. I've got to show a bit of um, gumption, a bit of resilience, a bit of strength about me, and I've got to lead because you know I'm also a big character. You know, in terms of helping the rest of the team. So if I then dim what I'm doing, that is going to have an impact on the rest of the team. And that's not fair to the, to the other, to the rest of the squad, the people who are on the bench who would kill to be on the pitch. So I don't know. I just feel like you, you have two choices. And then for me, it just doesn't really become a choice. Like it happens like that's life. 
And I also feel a really big responsibility at the moment, especially because of what happened in February with, with the award is that you have to be able to show people like what you're all about. Like that's life isn't going to be perfect. Like, you know, there's that phrase, like judge me on my losses, not my wins. And like, I never like conceding goals, but I have a choice whether or not like how I handle myself after that, you know? So I don't know. I think that's kind of how I try and view it. And then for me, it just, it's a choice, but then it's not really a choice. Judge me on my losses, not about my wins. That's, that's boxing talk. Is it? I don't yeah, know where yeah. I got that from. I feel like that's like a Michael Jordan quote or something. Yeah. Jordan to be honest, he probably would never even, he would just probably not even answer that question. He'd probably just tell you to do one, right? What a guy. Uh, I, I want to talk one more about your uh, compound, that compound, that 1%. Uh, towards the end of the game against Arsenal, you had a small debate with a ball steward as you were trying to retrieve a ball in the dying oh. minutes. <laughs> I don't recall this. What debate? <laughs> oh, just a small. Oh, relax a little bit. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's. I think playing at Lee means there's not enough Manchester United fans get to make that journey and watch you play in True. full flight. Agree. Um, and while watching a television is nice, it's a bit like watching a cooking program on television. You can't quite get the smell or, or the tiny details. Nice. That's uh, such a great analogy, by the way. Really enjoyed that. And one thing that pops up about your play, when the TV cameras are focusing on the other penalty area, you mm-hmm. are stood very far outside your penalty area in a loud conversation with your centre-backs. Oh, is it loud? I can hear it. Oh, nice. <laughs> I hope I wasn't saying things, things too inappropriate. No, 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 no. It was, it was very much PG. But, you know, oh, it, okay. it's a lot of the defence, you know, Manchester United right now have Charlotte, how many clean sheets? 12. 12. Mary knows it because uh, she's one off the record of 13. We'll come on to that later. Anyway, carry on, Carl. <laughs> um, and they often talk about clean sheets being not just a goalkeeping game, but also your back four as well. And you're in constant debate with your with your back four. Constant you about, debate. Why do you, what makes that so important? Where did that come from in, from you? I feel like that came from a super young age, you know, like I've always been a bit of a communicator in the sense that like when I was younger, that was not something that anybody my age did because they felt really, really embarrassed. They were like, oh, I just, I I just feel so embarrassed telling people what to do. Like, it's so loud. Like, I don't want people to look at me like these types of things. And I, as a really young kid, my parents just encouraged me to do whatever it is that I wanted to do. Um, they encouraged me to get into as many different activities as possible. Sports, musical instruments, any activity, brownies, whatever it was, scouts, whatever. I don't, I don't even know what, what other activities I got up to. There was just a long, long, long list. I, one of those activities was dancing, which involved a modern jazz solo of Pop Goes the Weasel which also involved some sort of singing number. Um, I'll leave the rest to your imagination. But once you do that, I don't know what age I was with a top hat and I'm pretty sure, I don't think it was a tap solo. I think it was a modern solo. It could have even been a tap solo. Once you do that at at the Nottingham Dance Festival, there's not really too much which is more, I don't want to say embarrassing, but I wasn't a good dancer. Like, I was not a good dancer. It was a humbling experience to be a dancer. 
I did I did things that humbled me as well. Like I was a really bad swimmer. Like I did swimming. I did a swimming competition. I don't know where it was, somewhere in Nottingham. And I was part of Portland's swimming club. Um, and I used to finish dead last, like dead, dead last. Like the, I think I did butterfly once and I was so far behind. Like, you know, you get that slow clap from the, and me and my parents still laugh about that to, to, to this day. Um, so it was just, yeah, I did things that humbled me. And so then when, when you then have to like tell your defender to go right or left shoulder, to me, that just didn't feel like a big deal. So I think it started from a young age doing that. And then as you grow older, you you realize how important communication is in a team sport. And then over the years, it just became a really important part of my game because I saw it as a really big help to the team. If I can help the team um, be in better positions or encourage them in a certain way, like you see how that can have an impact. You know, your defender makes a tackle or blocks a shot or your midfielder has more energy to do a big recovery run because you've encouraged them five minutes before and given them a big G up and things like that. So I think you just saw the the rewards of that and and I saw how it can have such a positive impact on the team and the results of the team. And and then also managers really liked it. Coaches really liked it. Coaches really liked to to, I guess, get their information on through me or yeah, try and help me to to manage the game or to yeah, to, to manage the play in some way to, it, it's all really just to help the team, I guess. Mary, you're normally communicating in the back line on the England setup with, you know, Leah Williamson. How big a miss could she be for the World Cup, not only on the pitch, but off the pitch as well? Yeah, she would be a huge miss. Um, there's no denying that. I don't know what the situation is. Um, and I'm hoping that it's obviously just not too, too serious. Um, yeah. And 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 we're all thinking of her because it's it's just obviously it's not what you want to see when someone has to go off the pitch, you know. And uh, she's she's a, she's an incredible player, an incredible leader, and and um, and and that's yeah, she w- she would be a big loss to the team for sure. You did secure another clean sheet against her team, though Arsenal. You're on twelve, the most you've ever had. Last year, Zinsberger won the Golden Glove with 13, the WSL record. So how determined are you to beat that this season? Yeah, well, we'll have to see how it pans out. Obviously, I love keeping clean sheets. I don't know if you know, but I hate conceding goals. Like, I really hate it. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to do everything I can to, to yeah, to concede as, as least goals as possible, um, as I always do. Um but unfortunately, it's not always in my control, and we have a lot of other team goals going on as well at the moment, which I would I would dare say are more important than 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 the clean sheets. Um, so yeah, just su- just super focused on kind of our objectives and and really getting the best results we can. Uh, to keep clean sheets would of course be nice, but we've got a, a tough running of games, um, and you've you've seen in the WSL how competitive it is, um, and how hard it is to keep clean sheets. Like you know, you there's actually probably been a lot less this year than than maybe there has in previous years in terms of when you look at um like maybe the the rest of the clubs um and and that just shows you how strong the league is and you think oh this will be an easy win you know i know there's i know you know i don't know like if there's f- fantasy football for example i play fantasy football for the for the Barclays Premier League like i'm 
borderline a bit weird about it. You know, when people say it's three nil to United, I'll say who got the assist, and people are like, what? Why does that matter? Um, so, like, I imagine you know, if you had a fantasy football team, you you can't predict what like what teams would be keeping clean sheets because it's just so hard now. Like every every game is much closer than it than it was the year before, and or provides you with a different challenge than before. So, yeah. Um, We'll we'll obviously do our best as a, as a squad as a defensive unit, but we'll we'll see where we end up. Speaking of fantasies, like we know you've had a tough time leading up to your career, and then this year has actually been stellar. Euros, FIFA Best Award, Finalissima. Don't forget the Arnold Clark Cup times two. Um, but you also referenced in your speech, you know, your loved ones who had to pick you up from the kitchen floor and um, for anyone who's in a dark place I, I wondered if you could share a bit of that journey with us and the roller coaster I suppose that you've been on yeah I, I feel like I've spoken about it a lot and I think that um, it, it's kind of I guess no this, I feel like this is what I always say but I don't know whether people know the ins and outs of it all. There's a lot of things that people don't know, but there was obviously a time where I wasn't picked in in the England team. And that for me, though, you know, was a really tough time in my career. Um, Though obviously I was still playing for Manchester United and um, enjoying my football to a certain extent there. That was a big loss and and a big, um, yeah, it was a big hole in my life for a long time. Um, a lot of unexplained things, a lot of unanswered questions. Um, and it was, yeah, it was very tough professionally and personally to kind of process that, get through that, that you then had a, a COVID lockdown and a worldwide pandemic on top of that, which I know that in our, all in our own individual ways, we, we all struggled with. Um, and it, yeah, it was, a, it was a lot of, it was, it was a, it was a tough time to process a lot of things. Um, so to be able to, be in this position now is is very yeah very fantasy very pinch me um I try and as much as I'm trying to always strive for better and that's the thing that is wild about football but also life is I try and always remember those moments because it gives you like a different sense of gratitude and I'm a big believer that like gratitude grounds you like in your life and um you, when you're striving for better and you're thinking, oh God, like, why did I do that? Why did I not do that? Why, why isn't this happening? Why, why can't, can't we do this? I want this. I want to do this. And you suddenly realize that everything that you're complaining about or wishing that you had was everything that you wished that you had the opportunity to even fight for like years ago. So it's kind of, it's just wild. It's just, so when I'm, you know, beating myself up about something or yeah, wanting better, like I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to have the problems that I have. If you know what I mean. Like I'm a big believer that everybody has problems. Just some people have better ones, and you just have to keep fighting for better problems. You're never going to have like a seamless life. Like that's just not, it's just not the world. And without rain, no rain, no flowers. Like you, you without without the t- tough times, you don't get like the sunshine, the rainbows, the the. You don't have the context of what good and bad feels like. So I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of all that, and I'm trying to like ride the wave of it all. Um, but I think what I'm just trying to do the most is take that responsibility. I feel like I have more responsibility than ever to, I don't know, try and give a positive message to like 
people who maybe take comfort or confidence in my journey. Like I've had so many incredible letters from people. Like I've got some on my desk right now that I'm like writing back to of like people who had just shared like kind of some of the stuff that they've been through. And that is just feels really like this is my purpose and what I'm meant to do. Like football is my vehicle, but this is my path. So like, yeah, I know there's going to be some tough times ahead. There's going to be ups and downs and I'm hoping for more ups and downs, but you never know where life is going to take you. But I know that like, this is like my reason, right? Like why I'm supposed to be here, like why I'm supposed to give my message. I think like maybe why I won that award award in, in was to, to be able to give my message to the world and, and to be able to connect with people on a, on a, on a bigger level and a bigger scale. So yeah, I just want to continue to do that and and spread as much, yeah, of that as energy as possible, really help as many people as possible in and out of football, but particularly goalkeepers. So yeah, it, that, I don't know. I don't even know what the question was anymore, but yeah, it's mad. It's wild trying to enjoy every minute and uh, enjoy the ride. It's not going to last forever. The Athletic.